but I have no notes. So I'm just going to talk to you about things the Holy Spirit brings up, and then we're going to pray, lay hands on those who want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, a fresh infilling. We're going to go back into worship and let the Spirit do His work. But I love this, how the Holy Spirit, so often we, especially in the Western world, where we're very methodical and information-driven, we like things to uh, have patterns and um, um, formulas. But you just can't do that with the Holy Spirit. We cannot do that with God. Like, like some people teach, well, you, you have to be water baptized before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, Jesus says that um, they that believe in me and are baptized. And even in the book of Acts, it says, as Peter preaches this first sermon out of the gate on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit of God, you know, comes into the room like a rushing mighty wind. And they all speak in other tongues and they... They go out down to the main thoroughfare, and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Jews from the Decapolis, the ten cities around Jerusalem. They all come in for the greatest celebration of the Jewish uh, uh, holidays, Pentecost, the ingathering of the harvest, the beginning of the ingathering of the wheat harvest, which is metaphorical for the ingathering of souls, God's harvest. That's why Jesus did it right then and there. That's why the Father designed it right then and there was metaphorically to, to show how we have our natural harvest, but God has his spiritual harvest, which is people. People is what matters to God. And so Peter preaches this sermon that says, you guys killed the son of God, but God raised him from the dead. And it says they were cut to the heart. It was not a seeker-sensitive message. It was a you guys screwed up message. But the purpose of that truth was to hopefully produce what it produced. And that is, this is they were cut to the heart. You cannot get free if you don't get cut to the heart. The truth of God blows right through our philosophies, right through our rationalizations, right through our hard-heartedness, right through our poor theology. And it cuts right down to the core of our being, which nothing can touch but God. And they cried out, what must we do? And Peter said, repent. That means turn from your religious systems, turn from your independence from God, turn from your sin, and turn to Christ for salvation. And then he says, and be baptized, and you shall receive, we'll read it in a minute, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So some will look at that and say, okay, here's the formula. You repent, then you're water baptized, then you receive the Holy Spirit. And you can get in these arguments online and and listen to radio programs and people arguing about how God does what God does. But then he does things like this in Acts chapter 10. It just completely messes it all up. We see in chapter 10 that Peter's preaching to non-Jews, which was already messing them up. Because up to this point, the gospel had only been preached to Jews. And we're all the way in Acts chapter 10, which is years after Jesus rose from the dead and said, preach the gospel to everybody. But the first disciples who were Jews had, it's still locked into their mind, their natural mind. They were still locked into the, the, to their paradigm that, the, that salvation was for the Jews only. You see, God needs to use the Holy Spirit to break open our thinking beyond our prejudices 
beyond our theology and we think we know who God is and what God does. And the Holy Spirit does these things that just like completely shatters it. And we have to catch up to God rather than trying to pull God down into our safe theology. God will do things that cause us to say, maybe I didn't know it all. It was fun when this unity movement started here in North County Inland and the pastors all started getting together and we had Baptist pastors and Methodist pastors and Presbyterian pastors and charismatic pastors, Pentecostal pastors, and we're all getting together and those whose theology had taught that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, miracles, passed when the last apostle died, which you cannot find in the Bible, but it's what they were taught. So they were locked into this theology, this doctrine that I believe is inaccurate. It's based out of fear and unbelief. Because miracles and wonders and signs cause us to feel vulnerable and a bit out of control. And so we like to keep things decent and in order. And so once they got to know someone like me, from their perspective and their paradigm, I was, I was, I was one of those weird, freaky, maybe even demon-possessed people who called themselves Christians. But they never knew an actual Pentecostal or charismatic pastor or person. So now we're eating together, we're laughing together, we're visiting each other's homes, we're getting to know each other, and all of a sudden they're realizing, wow, he's not from another planet. He's actually kind of normal. And getting to know one another, you build this bridge of safety and trust, and some of them started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And their paradigm started changing. I remember one pastor He became so comfortable with our group that we're up in the mountains for two days as pastors seeking God together. And right in the middle of it, we're just all pacing the room praying. This one pastor who did not believe that these things were for today, but he could not deny by meeting people who were genuine Jesus lovers who spoke in other tongues and did miracles, he realized, okay, I can't hold on to my theology any longer. Because I can't find evidence for it in the Bible, and I'm looking at evidence in front of me of a real human being who's speaking in tongues, and I know he loves Jesus. So what do you do? And I appreciate his humility and vulnerability. He was pacing the room, and he just shouted out, God, I don't want to speak in other tongues. (laughs) I remember my other pastor friend who was the pastor of New Hope Church for almost 40 years. He founded it. He and I were uh, spending three days up with Jack Hayford up in northern Cal- or, uh, uh, up in L.A., and he had been trained the same way, that the gifts of the Spirit had passed, that these supernatural things didn't happen anymore. And yet he started a series on the glory of God, and the more he studied the glory of God, the more the glory of God began to expand in his own heart and mind, and he started seeing scriptures. And I, I woke up at 3 a.m. in the hotel room. It was a, you know, a suite, and I, I, heard, I heard something in the other room, so I looked in it, and it was my friend Joe, Pastor Joe, sitting up in his bed, drinking coffee at 3 a.m. with the Bible open to 1 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13, 
which are 12, 13, 14, which are the passages the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about how to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out in their church, and it was just so chaotic that Paul had to come and help them learn how to somehow administrate the supernatural workings of the Holy Spirit in a local church. It's a lot easier to pastor a church where the Holy Spirit is not moving because everything's predictable. But when the Holy Spirit's moving, it's a little unpredictable. And so I said, what are you doing? He's looking at the Bible saying, I, I do not know how we interpreted these chapters the way we did for all these years. The scales had fallen off of his eyes. Now, I learned how to be a better pastor from him. So it's not like people who aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit and don't speak in tongues and operate in miracles don't love Jesus and don't have the Spirit of God and don't have the character and the nature and the wisdom of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about power. I'm talking about supernatural signs, miracles and wonders, book of Acts stuff. And so look at, here's Peter in the middle of a sermon, and Lord, would you do this today as I'm preaching? Just, just do stuff. Peter's preaching to these non-Jews about salvation, and look what happens in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Are you able to pull up scriptures back there, Mike, now that we got this going? Look at that. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. While he's still speaking, he's not done with his message. He still has things to say, but the Holy Spirit, all right, that's enough. <laughs> While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished. Again, this is years after Jesus rose from the dead and said, take the good news to every living human being. And in the Jews, they interpreted that every living human being who's Jewish. That's what we do. We're so human and so locked into our little world. They thought Jesus was coming to be a political leader to overthrow the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God in Jerusalem for the Jews. And yet Jesus was saying, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll explain all these things to you. I have not come to overthrow Caesar and the Roman government, establish a kingdom for the Jews. I've come to overthrow Satan and set free the entire human race. And the kingdom of God is for everybody, and it's going to expand from the four corners of the earth and heaven, and it is going to shut the doors of hell and we're going to chain up Satan and we're going to throw him into the lake of fire forever. That's the kind of king I am. But you see, their minds were so limited because the Holy Spirit had not yet come to show them things beyond their natural knowledge. And so here, those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift, everybody say gift. Say it again, say gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift from God to you and to me and to us and to the church world and to the human race. He's a gift. Had been poured out right there while he was preaching. God poured out like water. 
poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them, how did they know? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. You don't, you don't say demonic things when you speak in tongues. It's the Holy Spirit that is flowing through your spirit out of you. And as you see in the day of Pentecost, all these Jews came from these 10 different cities. They all spoke different dialects and different languages. And they all come to Jerusalem for the big uh, celebration of Pentecost. And then all of a sudden, here are these Galileans that are in the middle of the square. It'd be like downtown Front and Broadway, like on a big parade or some kind. And, and all of a, like, like a 4th of July something or other, or Independence Day. And, and, and all of a sudden, there's these people that you know are from one town, and all of a sudden they're just speaking German, they're speaking Spanish, they're speaking all these different languages, you know, and, and what are they saying? They're, they're, they're magnifying God. It says we hear them talking about all the, all, the, all the goodness of God, but we hear them in our own languages, and yet we know these people are from Galilee, and yet they're speaking in our language, we understand them. How is this possible? So you see, when the Holy Spirit speaks through you in another language, a heavenly language, it's not an earthly language that you learn in school. It is a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. And when you speak in it, you are glorifying and magnifying and talking about how awesome God is. Because you and I are so limited. And I don't know, I don't care how many languages on earth you know. You could speak in all of them and still not even come close to talking about how good God is. But the Holy Spirit can through you magnify God in a way that he's worthy of being magnified. And so here it says, they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid that these should not be baptized in water who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they asked them to stay a few days. So you see here, it's all mixed up. It's reversed. I'm not even done with my sermon yet. And, the, and God says, okay, that's enough. God just like couldn't wait. I want to get my spirit on these people. They have enough faith. They've heard it. It's like, wait a minute. They haven't, God, they haven't even been water baptized. We need to do things decently and in order around here, God. First I preach. Then we do an altar call. Then people get saved. Then we have to wait till we organize a water baptism. Then they can have the Holy Spirit. That's the way we do it around here. Let's go to the book of Luke. And I want to I show now something the Bible is very clear about, and that is that there are two different operations of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24. There are two different operations of the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is there are two different encounters with the Holy Spirit that both have a specific purpose in your life. The first one is when Jesus rose from the dead, and then he comes into the room where all the first disciples were gathered together and they were gathered together for fear that they were going to come crucify them since they already crucified Jesus and now they're trembling in their upper room going, oh my gosh, they're coming for us next. And Jesus walks through the door without opening it. He says, hey. And he says, hey, Thomas, remember you were doubting whether I really rose from the dead? And you said, unless I 
unless I see the holes in his hands and put my finger in the hole in his side where they stabbed him with a spear, I will not believe. Jesus is so gracious, even with our unbelief. He walks through the door. The first thing he says is, hey, Thomas, come here. Why don't you put your finger in my hole, the hole, hole in the side of my chest right here. Isn't that cool? And I'm sure he did not do it with attitude. I don't think he was being sarcastic. He was like, you need a little help? Come here. And then he said, blessed are those who believe, but they have not seen. In other words, my kingdom operates by faith, not by, not by scientific touch, feel, taste, test. My kingdom, which is just as real, actually more real than this physical world, because the unseen world was here. The unseen world made the, the seen world. The Bible says God created everything from things that were not. Out of nothing, God created the world and created us. And it says the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, and God said, light be. And the Holy Spirit was the agent that, whoo, that creates. And so Jesus, in that moment, breathed on them, whoo, received the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that remind you of? Anybody remember the, what happened in the Garden of Eden? When God breathed, that's right, the Holy Spirit, the breath of life, created Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he was just a clay pot. And it says God lifted him up and went, and Adam said, God. You see, we can't know God without the Holy Spirit. I remember one of my children invited their friend to youth group, and he just sat there and thought worship was boring. And, and my, my son was talking to me about it, and I said, well, of course it's boring. He can't worship Jesus if he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He's just watching us, and, you know, it's not, it's not a concert. Nobody's being entertained. <clears throat> and he can't worship because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, he got saved and he got the Holy Spirit the next week. And then he went back. And afterwards, he goes, man, that was awesome. (laughs) Isn't that great? He loved worship. He was totally up in it. And I said to my son, I said, see, without the Holy Spirit, you can't worship. So Jesus breathes on him. Now, he, he had already breathed on him. Now watch what he says. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, he says, verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, that's different than in you. It's really important that we understand the difference here. The Holy Spirit is breathed into you as soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ. For you, for the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, the internal strength, the wisdom of God, understanding the Bible. That's what the Holy Spirit, but he's, he had already done that. He already breathed on. Now he says, now, behold, I send the promise of my father up upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Say this out loud. Say the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but he's on me for you. You see, the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power for you to do signs, miracles, and wonders to benefit others. Okay, so now I want us to see this. Let's go to the book of, well, same book, book of Luke in chapter 4. 
I'm going to show these two different baptisms. Luke chapter 4. Actually, uh, Luke chapter 3. And look in verse uh, 21. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. I'm going to show you these two different baptisms. You know, a lot of times we can assume that people in a, a spirit, quote, spirit-filled church, which is what we consider ourselves, we call ourselves. But listen, just because we call ourselves a spirit-filled church doesn't mean we're spirit-filled. Just because on a banner it says spirit-filled church doesn't mean it's a spirit-filled church. A church is spirit-filled when it is spirit-filled. Isn't that profound? You weren't expecting that, were you? That was wise beyond words. We're not, filled, we're not spirit-filled unless we're truly filled with the Spirit. That's how we're spirit-filled. And it's not just a one-time infilling. And that's critical. Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I was walking with a friend just recently, a very close friend, who's gone to church for many years. And I said, so do you speak in tongues often? And they said, I don't have that gift. I said, what do you mean? Aren't you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said, what is that? And I thought, that's my fault. That somebody could go to this church for so many years and not even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. So as Pentecost Sunday was coming, I thought, it might be a good idea for us to check under the hood and make sure <laughs> all the components are in there and we're, we're flowing the way we need to be flowing as a congregation. Some of you here today are in a spirit-filled church and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, but you can be today if you would like to be, and you need to be, because you can't live this Christian life without it. That's why Jesus said to these in the upper room, he said, don't go anywhere. Wait. Wait. Don't go anywhere. Jesus is telling his first disciples. Now we're his disciples. We're millions of disciples down the line, but we're still the same type of people. Jesus says, don't go anywhere. Don't you dare go out there and try to be a Christian. Don't go out there and try to be a minister of the gospel. Don't go out there and try to live this life successfully as a believer without the power from on high. Because you also have an enemy who is an evil spirit named Satan, who's a fallen angel, and he is going to try to mess with you. So you need supernatural power. He says to him here, to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, in verse 21 of chapter uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he says, When all the people were baptized, now this is water baptism, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, so this is water baptism, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove. That's why you see the dove on the back of some cars, you know, representing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. It simply says the Holy Spirit was coming down from heaven like a dove would float down. So it's metaphorical. The Holy Spirit's coming down like a dove would and landed upon Jesus, the Son of God. Now, if he needed the Holy Spirit's power, I think we need the Holy Spirit's power. And then Jesus says, then in chapter 4, regarding this encounter, In verse 14, Luke 4, 14, then Jesus returned, say it out loud. Say it out loud. Then Jesus returned in the power 
of the Spirit. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could not fulfill His calling on earth without the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we think we're doing? I mean, come on. And he says in verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me, not in me. He was born of the Spirit. He is God in the flesh. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, the Bible says. But now for the purpose of of going out into the world and preaching the gospel, telling people the good news, sharing your faith with your friends, praying for the sick, miracle signs and wonders, advancing the kingdom of God, overcoming the devil's temptations and attacks. You've got to have the Holy Spirit upon you. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water is when you go under the water and you're completely submerged in water. The baptism of the Holy you can be baptized in peanut butter. Somebody covered you all in peanut butter. This is the baptism submerged under the Holy Spirit. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because there's a cause for the Spirit to come upon you. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, recover your sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So now let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. And he told these guys not to leave that upper room until they receive the promise of the Father. Jesus raises from the dead. He spends 40 days with these guys talking about the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. See, that's exactly what Luke was talking about. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're still thinking earthly. They're still thinking small. They're still thinking the kingdom is for Israel on the earth. And Jesus responds to them and says, how frustrating that had to be for Jesus. He spent three and a half years with them talking about the kingdom of God. Then he just spent 40 days with them, having been resurrected from the dead, talking about the kingdom of God. And after all of that, they say, so when does Israel get to rule the world again? Jesus is like, oh my gosh, Father, did we pick the wrong 12? I know one for sure because he hung himself. But we got these 11 numbskulls here, and we're going to trust the, 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 the advancement of the kingdom of God to these guys? Yeah. And to you and me too. Jesus is so patient. He says in verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, everybody say, but. Now he gets down to their assignment. But you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be martyrs. That's what that word is. The Greek word is martyr. Martyreo means you, are, you will have the boldness and the power and the supernatural ability to share the good news of the gospel even under the most dire uh, conditions of persecution and hatred to the point where these guys is that you're either you're actually going to be killed. Now, remember, without the power of the Holy Spirit, 
when Jesus was being beaten, and Peter says, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And yet, when they were beating Jesus, going to crucify Jesus, they turned on Peter, and Peter said, I don't even know him. But now that Peter has been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, when they came to get Peter, and they were going to crucify him, Peter said, you can crucify me. But crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Savior was. That wasn't willpower. That wasn't like him saying, oh, I screwed up last time. I'm not going to screw up this time. That's not, what that, that's not where he got the ability to stand so boldly in the face of, of murder. What was it, church? It was the power the Holy Spirit. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now it's our turn. Some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has never come upon you. You may have received him at the point of new birth, but you've never received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we've had um, some really cool things happen recently, and I want you to hear about a couple of them just to show you this isn't just teaching. It's not just theology. This is real. One of them is my daughter Isabella, who's down here on the front row. A few weeks ago, she just got fed up with her best friend not knowing Jesus, and so she decided, I'm going to start praying for her every day. And so two weeks goes by, and her best friend comes up to her and says, and this is what Isabel was praying. She said, I was praying that, that my friend, and if I get this wrong, you correct me, my friend would experience the presence and the love of God. Experience. You see, my daughter bakes. And I'm telling you, if you've ever, if you've ever tasted her baked goods, I'm telling you, you will literally like fall on your knees and begin to worship. It is so good. <laughs> I never ate sweets. I, I just, I don't know, just, I don't know. She started baking. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday, I'm watching TV with my wife. Bella walked up to me with a, with a, with a uh, spatula covered in chocolate icing. I went, oh, my God. And she walks away, and she goes, I know how to make Dad happy. She's completely ruined this six-pack. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I could read her recipes or I could lick the spatula. Some, some, of you, some of you are just reading the recipe, but you're not experiencing God. Cover to cover in the Bible, it's experience, experience, experience. Adam and Eve experienced God in the garden when he breathed his breath into them. They experienced God when, the, when he would descend upon the tabernacle in the desert. Experiencing God all the way through the Bible. King Saul, he's anointed king. And all of a sudden he goes among the musicians as they were worshiping. And the Bible says when we worship up here, the musicians play, it moves the spirit. It's not just entertainment. It's not elevator music. When they play their instruments, the Spirit of God moves. 
And it says when, when Saul got among the musicians, all of a sudden it said he started, he started prophesying and dancing around. The Spirit of God came upon him. And so Bella wanted her friend to experience Jesus. Two weeks later, her friend came up to her and said, it's been so weird lately. I'll be just laying in bed, and all of a sudden, I'll, I'll feel this. I'll feel, what did she say? She feels like, she goes, I feel like I need to go to church with you. <laughs> Where did that come from? Who's producing that in her? The Holy Spirit. But isn't it interesting, he didn't begin messing with her friend until Bella started praying. See, God won't do this without our partnership. And so then her friend came and met with Bella and I in my office at, at our home. And I said, what are you experiencing? She goes, I'll just be laying in my bed, and all of a sudden I feel this freedom. Now that's the sign that Jesus Christ is entering your life. That's the sign, freedom. And Bella left the room for a moment, and I asked her, when did you start experiencing this where you're laying in bed and all of a sudden this, this love, you feel this love and you feel this freedom. She goes, about two weeks ago. I said, well, let me tell you a secret. Bella started praying for you two weeks ago. She started tearing up just because she, her friend would love her that much. And we led her to the Lord. It was so easy. I want to, I want to say more, but uh, we need to start praying for people. Um, I want to say, just, I'll say just a little about um, Nell, who's a police officer here. Nell has been a uh, he he's he's been a police officer and he oversees. Um, what is the what is the the organization you oversee at UCSD? About 120 UCSD students, community officers, uh, service department, and Nell has been having encounters with the Holy Spirit that have been shocking him and, and his wife, Leah. She said that he has been changed in the last few weeks in ways she's never seen before. One of the things, he's full-on asleep, and he's speaking in other tongues, and he's never spoken tongues before. She tried to wake him up and could not wake him up. She said it was a fluent, articulate language that she had never heard before. Come on. Huh? What's that about? The other night, they were at a hotel room. They were visiting her mom, and they're in a hotel room, and he, asleep, is sitting straight up in bed with a Bible in his lap. And he had a dream that a river was flowing past him. And he was seeing his years of his life past and some into the future. And the, the passage, Psalm 77, that was opened up to literally was the dream. And in the dream, he was sitting up against a rock. And then a voice said to him, the answers are in this book. And he's asleep, sitting up in his bed with the Bible in his lap. He's also experiencing physical pains in his body that don't belong to him. 
but he prays them off and other people get healed. See, these, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember when I told you that the Holy Spirit is a gift? Jesus is the gift for the forgiveness of sins and salvation. The Holy Spirit is the gift to be able to live this Christian life under the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he will show you all things. He'll teach you everything. And he'll, he'll empower you to live this Christian life. The Holy Spirit is a gift. So here's the last thing I want to say, and we're going to start praying for people. Success in the Christian life is not how much you achieve. It is how much you receive. What do you have to do to receive a gift? Watch. Josh is hard up, hard up for money right now, so he'll appreciate this. What does Josh need to do to receive this gift? So that was a great illustration, wasn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have to complete the transaction. Or the devil will mess with some of you and say, see, you're just like that illustration. Now, Jesus said this, speaking of the Holy Spirit, which of you have a child who would ask for bread and you would give him a rock, or ask for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion? Jesus said, of course not. You'd, you'd give your child what your child needs. How much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's all stand. Come on up. Holy Spirit, we honor you in here today. And we're, we are depending on you now, Holy Spirit, to move upon us in ways that some have never experienced. I've, uh, I've been hearing teaching on baptism of the Holy Spirit for about 40 years now. That's how old I am. I think this is the best teaching I've ever heard. Wow. Powerful. Oh, my God. Wow. One thing I've heard a lot of people say over the years, and your friend said it, I don't want to speak in tongues. Lord, I want the gifts. I want to prophesy. I want to move in gifts of wisdom and knowledge and healing and miracles, but I don't, I don't need to speak in tongues. Did you notice all of the verses when they received, they received the gift of tongues. That was the first thing. It says we received the gift of tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. I believe it's also a sign to us. Hmm. I've received it. Now I can start moving in these other gifts. I believe God gives it to us so we have the confidence to step out in the other gifts he has for us. In fact, I believe, I always say, I believe it's a doorway gift. I believe as we start speaking in tongues and we learn to grow in that prayer language in tongues that God gives us, it helps us to then learn how to move in prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, other gifts. So that's why I believe tongues is for everyone. Yeah. And, 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 and you don't have to beg for it. 
All of a sudden, Josh started begging for that dollar bill. You don't have to beg. You just receive it. Just receive it. Screwed up. Thank you, Gary. I'm going to encourage you not to let your fears and inhibitions hold you back. Everything from God is good. And you're not going to receive anything in here that's not from God. If you've been taught that other tongues are the devil, that is a lie. And it's a lie of the enemy to hold you back from experiencing more of God. If you come down for prayer and you don't end up speaking in other tongues, don't you worry about it. Jesus will shepherd you into it. I prayed for this girl one time, and I didn't feel anything, and she didn't feel anything. Because the spirit realm isn't about feelings. Feelings can happen, but feelings aren't the indicator. Faith is what unlocks the kingdom of God. Jesus said, they that ask, receive. I laid hands on her. I didn't feel anything. I felt like it was just nothing. She didn't feel anything, and I said, don't turn off your faith. She was driving home on the freeway 8, halfway home, and all of a sudden it hit her in the car, and she had to pull over on the side of the freeway and just weeping and speaking in tongues. Jesus prayed for lepers. Nothing happened. He said, go tell the priest what God's done for you. Well, he hadn't done anything. But they obeyed, and on their way, the leprosy left their body. So let's not put God in a box, but let's come to him and say, oh, God, we need this. Now, in the book of Acts, it says, this Holy Spirit, this gift... This gift is for you and for your children, for all to whom God will call. So if you want this gift, especially if you've never received the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you don't even know if you have or not, you come down front here because I want to be able to lay hands on you. Mark's going to lay hands on you. Gary's going to lay hands on you. The youth leaders here are going to lay hands on you. You come down front. You can start moving out right now. And come on down front here. If you never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't speak in your prayer language, just start moving now and come down here. Because we've still got to do announcements and offering a little bit, so let's not waste time. Those of you who you feel like or you know you have received the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the book of Acts you'll see that they kept experiencing these infillings. It wasn't just a one-time experience. In the book of Ephesians, I'm talking specifically to those of you who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've been walking with the Lord for a long time. You know everything I'm talking about. Maybe preach better than I can. Not according to Gary, but maybe. In the book of Ephesians, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that, that verb literally is be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in, speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This has got to be a continual infilling so you don't end back, end up living life again on your willpower and just gritting your teeth and trying the hardest you can to resist temptation and overcome the enemy. Come on. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over and over and over again. He is limitless. So come down front if you want us to lay hands on you. The Bible shows that when Paul laid hands, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When Peter and John laid hands, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Or just begin to worship God right where you are and call out for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And let's let the Holy Spirit begin to flow in this place. Let's do this for about 10 minutes. And then we're going to receive offering, do some announcements. And let's let the Spirit begin to flow in this place. Come on. Fall. Spirit fall. Oh
Spirit.